I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, a 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us, and you can join the conversation there. You can follow along live. You can participate in the chat or at capegunworks.com, but that's rapidfireradio.us, and you can sign up to be notified whenever we go live, so you want to make sure you do that. You don't want to miss a moment, Uh, and you can also participate on the Rapid Fire line, which is 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. That's our dedicated uh, phone line for Rapid Fire, and you can text, leave us a message, or call us live when we're airing the show. Um, so that's 508-444-2120. And you can find us wherever you find your social media of your choice, um, on all the big tech plus a bunch of alternate ones like Rumble and Telegram, uh, Twitch, et cetera, et cetera. We're at Rapid Fire Radio and at Cape Gunworks. So... Hopefully, you follow us on both accounts. Uh, we put out a lot of good content. We're having we're having fun doing what we're doing, and hopefully, you're enjoying some of the content. Uh, lately, I've been on a little bit of a uh, different kind of kick from your typical gun content, so I'm not going to ruin it. But some of you, some of you who've seen the last couple of videos we've done, will know what I'm talking about. But anyway. Um, Go over to our social media pages and you'll find all that at Cape Gunworks or at Rapid Fire Radio. Um, today is Wednesday, the 22nd, 2 23 which is actually a pretty cool date if you think about it. And it's the second annual uh, 2A day, if you will, but that Brown Brownells came up with and Smith & Wesson has you know signed on with them. Uh, and to celebrate uh, this 2A day, and uh, I think it's kind of cool. Um, so I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm late to the party about it, but happy 2A day. Um, that's what I'm going to say. And I'm not, you know, it wasn't something I thought about ahead of time. I just noticed on social media that today is 2A day, and it's the second annual 2A day, so... Um, I didn't know this was a thing until a couple days ago, So, uh, but I like it, and maybe we'll do something for it next year. But 2.22 is 2A day, and I think it's a good date. I think it's a good, um, a good way to spread the message and spread the word of 2A, you know, the 2A cause, if you will. Uh, we spoke a lot about this on the Grace Curley show yesterday. Uh, Grace always brings up some, you know, form of gun control during the show and talks about it, and it gets me down the 
the rabbit hole. And uh, but you know, the more I think about it, the more it amazes me that Americans have become so tolerant of gun control. When really, I think if you if you compare it to all your other rights, it's the only right that has, like Clarence Thomas said, become a disfavored right, and that to me is is very upsetting in a lot of ways. And I don't think it, it has been it has happened on accident. I think that it was a strategic, um, very calculated attack on our Second Amendment over decades with the long game being played. There was once upon a time, like in Massachusetts, where there was a bill to ban all all guns, if you will, and, and it didn't get very far for obvious reasons. And I think in even on the national level, there's been some similar bills proposed, maybe not all guns, but semi-automatic handguns or something like that, or rifles, et cetera, et cetera. And they certainly did it with the 94 assault weapons ban to a certain extent, but it wasn't a whole, it was basically a class of weapons instead of um, just a, the function of the weapon. But anyway, long story short is people have grown tolerant of their rights being stripped away as far as the Second Amendment is concerned because it has the potential to hurt or kill or injure you, even though um, freedom itself is not safe, right? A free society is less safe than a tyrannical one, even though tyranny is not a society any human wants to live under. Uh, we, we've always pushed away from tyranny and would always throw off those bounds and, and um, you know, look at the, you know, Soviet Union for, for an example of that or, uh, you know, the, the communist China even. And the people are in a defeated state, but I, I know their heart, the basic human heart yearns for freedom. We yearn to be free. We, we long for that, even though they might have psychologically beat us and got victory over us in certain ways, the heart still yearns for freedom. Um, and so with all that being said, how is it we have, as Americans who understand freedom and understand our rights and understand what was at stake when this country was founded, understood what we came from as far as tyrannical rule was concerned, and basically a two-tiered justice system where, you know, the gentry or the, the ruling class had one set of laws that applied to them and everybody else had another set of laws. I don't think any of us would ever want to go back to that. Um, but here we stand at the door um, fighting for our right to keep and bear arms, which once that right falls, it sounds very cliche, but then there's nothing to stop them from taking away all the other rights. So uh, for that reason, I think it's important to... Uh, you know, talk about 2A Day and say, hey, this is worth fighting for. It's worth uh, talking about. It's worth becoming an advocate. It's worth being um, uh, banded together as gun owners, as maybe you're not a gun owner. Maybe you're just supportive of the Second Amendment. I know people who are prohibited people because of their past. They've They've uh, committed felonies or, um, you know, done dumb things when they were young and now they can never own a gun, but they still believe in the right to keep and bear arms and support the cause. Um, hopefully someday they'll have their rights restored after they've 
done their time, paid their fine, did whatever it is that they did, and you know their rights should be restored. It's again another way of uh, eroding your constitutionally protected uh, natural born rights or rights that you are uh, given upon being a permanent resident alien here or a citizen. So these aren't given by our government. That's really the thing that uh, I find so insulting about our government's propensity to regulate them and to to take them away in a lot of cases is the fact that this power doesn't come from them in the first place. It's It was acknowledged by our founders that this power comes from God and it's not a right that any other human can give you. They acknowledge these are basic inalienable rights endowed to us by our creator. And so the most basic human right is the right to self-defense. And if you can't defeat an attacker because he outweighs you, he's bigger, he has better weapons, and you don't aren't afforded any means of protection against that right, then you are denied the most basic of human rights. And that doesn't come from them. It doesn't come from government. In fact, it limits what government has a say over that very much in the Constitution. That's what the whole Second Amendment means. It's a limitation on government. It's not a limitation on us, the people. But we'll talk more about that as 2A Day grinds on, as you guys want to talk about it. Uh, If you want to talk about it, 508-444-2120. I'm Toby Leary. We'll be right back. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. The poll of the day is, what gun are you going to buy with your tax return? A new rifle, a new pistol, a new shotgun, or not getting a return, but I'm buying a 50 BMG. I just made some assumptions there with number four, option number four. That is, if you make too much money to get a tax return, you should be buying a 50 BMG. But anyway, <laughs> you can go over and vote at twitter.com, uh, type in rapid fire radio, all one word, and vote in our poll. Um, and we'll read the results as the day grinds on. You don't need an AR 15. I don't know about that. 
that'd be a good one. So right now the poll results are new pistol is at 66% and new rifle is at 33%. No one's getting a shotgun so far and I can't believe it, but no one's elected that they're not getting a return and they're buying a 50 BMG. Um, (laughs) But anyway, go vote over there. Uh, rapidfireradio.us or on our Twitter page, rapidfireradio, all one word. This week's discount code, for those of you that are playing along at home, is Colt, C-O-L-T, Samuel Colt. It's his uh, namesake. And if you put that in at checkout at capegunworks.com, you'll get a percentage off your entire sale. Uh, Whatever you buy, whatever you throw in the cart, you're going to get a good discount. And some of you have got really, really good at playing this game. So (laughs) you're frequent flyers here in the shop, but you do a lot of business on our website using this discount code. So I want to applaud you. But don't tell everybody. It's it's our little secret for the Rapid Fire Radio listeners. So anyway, um, this week's code is Colt. And uh, the number here is 508-444-2120 if you want to jump on the line. And... uh, Oh, somebody just voted that they are getting a 50 BMG. No return. They're getting a 50. So, all right. We got a Barrett M107 in stock if you're in the the market. (laughs) Um, By the way, everyone's asking me, why the heck did you buy the Barrett M107? And Brendan especially, he was the first one to ask me. And that Instagram post I did, that Rumor has it Brendan hasn't spoke to Toby since. Well, he didn't even come to work today, so he's really hot under the collar. Uh, but that, then again, it could have something to do with him skiing with his family in New Hampshire. But anyway, I'm taking it personal. So <laughs> so the point is, he's like, uh, why the heck did you buy this thing? And I said, listen, I was at SHOT Show and I was at NBS, our buyer show, and I tried to place an order for a Barrett M107 or an M82. And they weren't taking orders. They're like laughing at me. They said, no, we're still not taking orders. Uh, we'll let you know when the order hotline opens back up. But in other words, they're, you can't order them direct from Barrett right now. So when one came in, my distributor, I jumped on it. That's why. I just, you know, it's like one of those things. If you can't get it, you have to buy it, right? It's when it's really hard to get, that makes you want it even more. Uh, so anyway. Um, Gun of the week. Yeah. That's, uh, oh, is well, we'll get to that later. Uh, yeah, we were going to make the Barrett M107 the gun of the week, but we're not. So um, we're going to get a. We're going to talk about a gun that just about anyone could buy. All right. So um, yeah, if you want to be a part of the chat, make sure you go over to the website and you can jump on and uh, let's answer a couple of these questions real quick. Um, I'm not going to say yet. You're going to have to wait. Oh, man, you're killing me. I'll tell you during an ad. Um, So anyway, uh, KP was here for skills and drills last night, and he got his uh, 1.34 from concealment. Oh, 1.23, excuse me, from concealment on target. And uh, that's fast, and he's trying to chase the sub one-second draw. Um, I'm like... 1.23 1.23 is pretty good. I, I don't know if I'd worry too, too much, but I understand the concept there. Uh, that's that's good good deal. I'm glad you're working hard, uh, putting in the time. I haven't been working hard or putting in the time, and therefore I am on a three-game skid uh, of 
Toby takes on the world. I've been getting my butt handed to me, and uh, I'm taking a little sabbatical from head-to-head competition right now and rethinking my game plan because, uh, you know, uh, it's my performances have been pretty bad lately. So so we're going to have to... Uh, we're gonna have to uh reevaluate my 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 game plan here because you know what no one likes to be a loser and i'm a three-game loser but uh anyway uh that's all fun and games we'll get back on track um but if you want to print out your target and embarrass me you can go over to capegunworks.com slash t-o-w and print out your own target uh one of my reps from winchester ammunition shot a perfect 30 with a center fire handgun as M&P pistol even did it right and had a witness sign the target and uh but the funny thing is he keeps a pile of these targets in his range bag and he uses them every day as a warm-up drill so I'm like okay so here's someone getting some serious reps in I go out cold guys when I'm shooting on camera Rod uh Professor Claw will will testify to this. I'm shooting cold, usually with a gun that's not mine, with a gun that I have never shot before. And so I go out there and just, you know, go. I give it my best. And uh, But now I, I'm rethinking the whole thing. I'm going to have to start training. I'm going to have to start practicing because the people who actually shoot do a good job and make me look bad. So I can't just, I can't just rely on my good looks anymore. That's that's the bottom line. So <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, my Winchester ammo rep ran a perfect thirty. That's incredible. And the week before, somebody did it with an air rifle, uh, air pistol. Excuse me, twenty-two caliber air pistol, uh, pre-charged pneumatic, crazy Olympic style gun. And uh, he has a home range in his basement that he shoots all the time, and he he. You know, if you shoot those, you can get pretty good. And I probably could do a a 30 with the Pardini I used to shoot in competition. But anyway, uh, so whenever uh, I get around to it, we're going to come up with a good game plan to get me back in the winner's column, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, Bird Runner says his taxes are being prepared next Tuesday, and you can almost smell the anticipation. Um the GOW selection is a lot to put on my shoulders each week. Just a thought. What about letting the loyal chat participants help select the GOW for you? That's not a bad idea because sometimes it is very difficult to come up with a gun um, for the gun of the week. So we could do that. Um, the one thing I – there's two criteria that I really rely on for the gun of the week. Number one, is it cool? Number two, can pretty much everybody get it? That's why I didn't go with the 50 BMG, you know, the Barrett M107 is because I know that not everybody is going to be able to buy one. So I could sit here and talk all day about it and make a lot of people feel horrible about themselves, or I could show guns that just about anyone could own. So that's really the way I I look at it. So those are my two criteria, cool gun and uh, whatnot. So, but tell me what you think, if you want to be a part of that, G-O-W, I, I'm open to taking suggestions on that. That's a great idea. Um, 508-444-2120. And this week's winner for the Vortex Crossfire 10x42 binoculars with the stripper clip morale patch is 
Bruno N. So look for a, an email from us, Bruno. You won. You have won the Vortex Crossfire 10 by 42 binocular. And these are the Crossfire HD. They're awesome. They're really cool binoculars. You're going to love them. And uh, very crystal clear. So, yeah, it's all good. And uh, congratulations. So if you want to get involved in the gun of the week, I'm sorry, in the uh, this week's giveaway, make sure you go over to rapidfireradio.us and sign up to win. Rapid Fire Radio, scroll down and enter the contest, and we'll pull the winner on next, week, next week's show. This week's giveaway is a private lesson with our senior instructor, Glenn Wilcox. You're going to get a one-hour private lesson. That's a $250 value and awesome, awesome opportunity for you to work on whatever it is you want to work on. Even if you're an experienced shooter or you're just brand new starting out, make sure you go over to capegunworks.com or, excuse me, you go to rapidfireradio.us and sign up to win. Can you get there from capegunworks.com? Okay, when you're on capegunworks.com, click on Rapid Fire Radio and you'll come to the sign-up. So, uh, and we'll pull that winner on next week's show. And don't forget the checkout code this week is Colt. So, but make sure you keep that between us. All right, um, let's get back to the chat. <clears throat> um, how cool would an AR be in 338 Lapua? But I'm pretty sure a semi-auto would not be able to handle the pressure of that round. You'd have to get a bolt action. I think there's a company that did it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, didn't um, Noreen, I think Noreen might have done it. I know they did a 300 win mag. I know they did a, uh, but there's few companies that have done 300 win mag. Um, Nemo did a 7 mil rem mag and a 458 win mag although it was very short-lived but i'm pretty sure noreen did a 338 lapua i'm not 100 percent on that but i'm i'm pretty sure anyway uh hey guys i recently got a puppy and have been bringing her in for walks in the woods with it being coyote mating season there everywhere if one tries to attack my dog would it be legal to shoot it um i think it is legal uh grow if if a you're you're legally able to defend your dog um, in the woods against the coyote attack. So I, I think uh, that's that's yeah, you'd be good. And Mike points out that 50 BMG is a no go in California. That's true. Um, once they banned the 50 BMG, Barrett, in all its wisdom, ended up coming out with the, uh, the 416 Barrett which basically is a necked-down 50 PMG case that outperforms the 50. It's got a better ballistic coefficient, and you can buy that in California. So that's the beauty of the American spirit and that freedom is we always find a way. Uh, when you say no, we find a way to do it. So anyway, uh, if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, we have regularly scheduled LTC classes still required by the... Uh, goes in charge, unfortunately, including ladies-only classes and couples classes on March 11th. So sign up at capegunworks.com and get your certificate so that you can go uh, be a 2A advocate as well. And we'll be back after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire.
Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. To Rapid Fire, 508-444-2120 is the Rapid Fire line if you want to be on the radio with me or leave a message or send us a text. That's 508-444-2120. Don't forget to go vote in our poll of the day at rapidfireradio.us. Scroll down, vote in our poll, or you can go to Twitter and jump right on there, Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. And the poll of the day is what gun... Are you going to buy with your tax return a new rifle, a new pistol, a new shotgun, and you're not getting a tax return, but you're buying a 50 BMG? Uh, right now, we're trending at 20% say new rifle, 60% say new pistol. New shotgun is still pulling up at 0%, and no return. I'm buying a 50 BMG is at 20%. So, um, yeah, you'll have to go vote and make your voice heard. That poll will be live for six more days, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. And then if you want to dump into the chat what it is, what pistol you'd actually buy or what rifle you want to buy or what shotgun Phased you want to buy. plasma rifle in the 40-watt range. <laughs> hey, just what you see, pal. Fresh out of those, unfortunately. Um, and HPS says, I already have a 50 BMG Barrett. Would like to get a Benelli M4, but might have to go cheap. And get an IWI Masada Tactical and four extra 17-round mags. All right. Um, Sounds like freedom to me. Um, And somebody here on the chat was saying, uh, I'm currently looking into the SIG MCX Virtus, Michael. And uh, we do have the 762x39 version in stock if you want to get one. Um, And you can always do a barrel conversion to 300 blackout or... Five five six, so pretty cool guns, um, and they're very easy to convert and change around. Um, so yeah, we have them if you want. Um, Jay, you're next on Rapid Fire. How are you today, Jay? Hey, yeah, pretty good, Toby. Question for you: uh, Winchester Model Twelve mm-hmm. for this twelve gauge. Do they still make uh, an extension, a tubular magazine extension for this twelve gauge? Yes, I believe you can. Well, let me let me. I know you can for 
like the Rem 870s and the Mossberg 500s. Those are pretty easy. Right. But, but I bet you you could get a um, an extension for the uh, Model 12. That's a good question. Honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I'm speculating you can. Uh, but, you know, you might have to go to like numerichgunparts.com or something like that to find that uh, because I don't yeah. think anyone's making them uh, new, if you will. Um, but that's something I could look into and get back to you on, Jay, if you want. I'll, I'll, I'll post it in the chat or I'll talk about it on the air. Um, I'll see if we can do a little research on that for you. And, um, yeah, that will be great. And I'll, yeah. I'll drop a link in there. And if I can get it, I, I'd be happy to do a special order for you. Oh, super. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, will you guys um, go to the Wilmington show in March? Yeah, that's the plan. We are planning on going uh, March 4th and 5th to the uh, Wilmington gun show. So we kind of got the bug at the Marlboro one. And so it looks, mm. look, you know, if hopefully it'll it'll be a good showing for us again. Uh, the first time we went uh, in, I think, six years to a gun show. So it was in, uh, you know, last month at, at Marlboro. So I, I'd like to be there. It would it was fun for us. Um, we learned a lot, and it was great to see so many people that uh, were like, oh, I've been hearing about Cape Gun Works, but I've never been down to the shop. So I'm like, okay, well, we came to you this time. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, super. Do you go to any other shows in New England as well? Um, we're we're going to take it like one step at a time before I start rolling out the – if this show goes well, I think we'll be at the rest of them. So that's probably the, the way way it'll work out. So we'll see how it goes. If, uh, if, it, if I can do it and be profitable, I'm good to go. So – yeah, yeah. They seem to be drawing um, pretty decent crowds this season. There's a lot of repressed demand. And, yeah, yeah uh, pent-up demand, yeah. I think. Mm, good stuff. Great. Well, well, thanks for everything. Appreciate yep. it. Thanks for the call, Jay. Take care. Sure. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, if you want to be on the line, it's 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And we got another call from Dave. Go ahead, Dave. Hi, this is David from Central Mass. Holden, uh, I had a question on storing the gun. Uh, is it okay to store it locked and loaded for an extended period of time uh, with a full magazine, or will that hurt the, the spring in the magazine or the gun? Thank mm. you. Yeah. No, it's a great question, David. Thanks for the call. Um, according to Pat McManus, um, I think I agree with it, too that you don't hurt magazines from leaving them fully loaded or fully unloaded. What causes long-term wear is the constant compression and unloading of them, so actually using them. Uh, but you can store the magazine loaded for long periods of time without having any degradation whatsoever. And um, it's, it's really the act of compressing them and act of them becoming uncompressed over time that wears a magazine out, not being fully compressed or fully uncompressed. So hopefully that helps, David. And uh, yeah, I leave my mags full all the time. I'll shoot them off once or twice a year and reload them. But uh, And then I have other mags that I use for training uh, that I use, you know, I compress them and take them out. Or sometimes I'll just unload the, the hollow point ammo or the my Fort Scott munition ammo that I'm carrying in the gun and, um, you know, 
load it with practice rounds and then reload it with my carry ammo. But it's a lot more convenient when you have three or four extra mags for the gun that you can just use for um, practice and then leave your uh, death-dealing rounds intact in the magazine. But hopefully that helps. All right. So uh, someone's asking if it's legal. Michael's asking if it's legal to build an AR in Massachusetts uh, that's post-ban. Um, I can't give that kind of legal advice because it's not necessarily, it has not been tested. Number one, according to the attorney general, it's not legal and they are threatening prosecution to anyone who does it. However, I highly doubt they're going to come at the individual person and how would they know? Number two, um, the, the bottom line is it doesn't seem like it's illegal as far as state law is concerned. Um, but she says it is or did. The former attorney general, who's now the governor, said it was illegal. And the new attorney general um, has the same feelings. In fact, I've heard it said that she hates guns even more than Maura Healy did, which uh, is hard to believe, but... If that's the case, I'm sure she's going to back up everything that Maury Healy said. So um, that all being said, there's tons of people that are doing it. They're buying lowers and they're building out AR-15s and, and um, you know, they're, it's entirely possible to do it. Um, but I don't know what the legal ramifications are if you do. Um, I don't think it's been prosecuted in any way, shape or form, but we'll, we'll see. As time goes on, I think they're just threatening people with prosecution, but actually have not done it. So, uh, and that's kind of what the that whole Boston Globe article that came out a few months ago was all about. Jason Guido, who's actually going to be on in the second hour of the show, so maybe I'll ask him uh, straight up, but uh, he'll probably give an answer very similar uh, to what I just gave, but. Uh, and he was quoted in this Boston Globe article saying along the lines of what I just said, but the the basic sentiment from this article was that, you know, coming from a journalistic point of view or from, this, uh, from what the perceived outcry of the public was, is that there's no enforcement of these laws or rules or mandates that the attorney general has, has you know, enacted, which, you know, Let's back up a little bit. The attorney general has no authority to enact law, regulation, or um, without a, a due process. And there was a lawsuit that challenged that, but basically it went by the wayside when they realized that all she has to do is do the due process and then enact these regulations. But anyway, there's legal implications, and this strikes at the root and the core of what even the ATF does for a living. And Matt Gates, I know, introduced a bill to eliminate the ATF. But basically, it's saying these agencies have no ability to enact law. And they do it all the time. Look at this ATF rule change with this pistol brace um, rule. That could single-handedly make 40 million people a felon overnight by doing nothing 
So in other words, they, they own a gun that they bought legally. They, it came with a device that was installed on the gun from the factory with a letter from the ATF saying it's perfectly legal to be there. Now the ATF has changed their mind and said it's not legal for it to be there. You must remove it or you must register it as an SBR, which is a trap. And, oh or, uh, you can destroy it or you can surrender it. Those are your four options. But if you do nothing, they are saying you become a felon overnight. Um, this rule is going to be uh, fully implemented very, very soon. There's, there was like a 28-day period uh, from when it was enacted. I don't know exactly the date. I'll, I'll look it up. But anyway. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Yeah, exactly. And then um, so the same thing is happening now or happened in this state with the attorney general who changed law changed settled 20 years of law and decided to enforce it in a whole new way, reinterpret it, uh, became judge, jury, and executioner, became all three branches of government. She was the judicial, the legislative, and the executive branch all in one fail swoop with her 2016 edict. And everybody stood there and applauded there was the Boston police chief there that clapped and get, said, we don't find these guns on our street, but this is going to make us safer. Okay. I, I want to know uh, where you went to school and learned logic and reason. But anyway, um, that's what we're up against. So we have really exciting news about our pistol training classes. We have a whole new series called Pistol 1, which is our basic class. Pistol 2, it continues the training. Pistol 3, you start drawing from the holster. And Pistol 4 is where you put it all together in a self-defense paradigm. Uh, you can go to capegunworks.com and you can check the calendar uh, for these new classes on Mondays. They're every Monday night. And we have ladies-only versions on Saturdays. They've been met with great uh, success so far. And you could become a proficient self-defense shooter in one month. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. We'll be right back. The firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. This has become a very popular segment of the show called Gun of the Week. I teased it out earlier in the show. And this week's Gun of the Week is the Trailblazer Firearms Pivot Rifle. It's a gun that I 
did an initial unboxing of a couple months ago, and I pulled one out. It was the first time I got to handle one, and I was impressed with it. I said, this gun is a very well-made, rugged, pistol-caliber carbine, and uh, I was I put it out there to the public, said, what do you guys think? And everyone's like, this is really cool. It's a gun I'd buy. It's a gun I'd buy. Or, you know, I don't know. It's too expensive. But um, it is on the pricier side of pistol caliber carbines. It's not quite SIG MPX prices or uh, some of the other ones that are kind of AR platform based. But um, this is a really cool, unique gun that I'm glad there's people willing to innovate out there and you know, we know about the Caltech uh, Sub 2K, which is a collapsible gun. Basically, it folds in half on itself, um, which is really cool design. But the problem is, it's hard to put stuff on it, like optics and um, you know, flashlights and et cetera, et cetera, because of the kind of the clamshell design of the gun. Well, these guys have redesigned the same concept, but it's called a pivot rifle, so it swings around. Like the upper receiver pivots on the lower receiver. It has an HK style charging handle, which has, um, you know, when it's in the locked back position, you can slap it down and it runs that first round home. Uh, but you, you cock it back and put it into the open bolt position and then make sure the safety's on and no mag is in. And the rifle will turn around 180 degrees so that it takes on a much lower profile um, than the the um, fully, you know, uh, the, <laughs> the when it's in its firing condition, let's put it that way. So it probably shaves off six or eight inches in the overall length, maybe even longer, uh, probably about 10 inches. But uh, so it makes it a whole lot easier to pack around or get, uh, take back, you know, in the backwoods or whatever. And so you could have a good, pistol caliber carbine that'll go into the back country very easily and they make a really cool concealment bag for it as well a backpack uh, that's designed for this type of gun there's um, an extra magazine storage underneath the stock so you can slide a mag right into the stock and uh, have it as an extra one or the one that goes in the in the grip well of the gun when you initially load it but i would probably put a spare mag back there and um, it has pick rail on the top, so you can put sights on it, a red dot, um, front and rear sights, and you're not going to have any uh, problem with it when you deploy the weapon or when it's uh, put into its, you know, packed up configuration. So it doesn't affect the sights at all. It's a really well-made all-aluminum gun. It takes Glock mags, so you can put a Glock 19 or a Glock 17 mag in there. And uh, very, very cool. Um, it has M-lock rail on the 3-6, I'm sorry, on the 3 and 9 position. So not on the 6 because that's part of where it folds on itself and on itself. Um, but it has a low and a high M-lock rail on that 3 and 9 position. And then it has, of course, the uh, 1 o'clock or the 12 o'clock position for a front sight or toward the back of the receiver part, you could put a red dot sight. So very cool gun um, from Trailblazer Firearms called the Pivot Rifle, and uh, I'm pretty impressed with it. I think it's a cool gun. That's why it made the Gun of the Week list, and uh, the price is a little bit more than, say, a, a good quality pistol caliber carbine, um, but not quite as much as some of the other ones out there, the higher-end ones. 
and uh, be an awesome backpack gun. It'd be an awesome gun to take camping or hiking. Uh, it's lightweight and it stows away nicely. Uh, and the other thing that's kind of cool about it is when it does stow away, unlike like a Ruger PC carbine, which comes apart into two pieces, this is still one piece. So you only have to worry about you know one part of a gun. Uh, you don't have to have two different pieces come together. So use code GOW for Gun of the Week if you want to take advantage of this uh, discount code we have. Go to rapidfireradio.us and you can click on the Gun of the Week button in the banner. And you can purchase the Gun of the Week at a discount because it's being featured on Rapid Fire. And we have these in stock. We also have a range gun coming in. So you'll be able to shoot one and see how you like it. Uh, but I'm impressed. I like it. It's a cool gun. And maybe you'll buy this with your tax returns. Who knows? So anyway, uh, come check them out at Cape Gunworks or go to our website, capegunworks.com, for the Trailblazer Firearms Gun of the Week. We'll, we'll be right back. Don't go away. ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation. And we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. 508-444-2120 is the live phone number to call Rapid Fire, or you can text your question to 508-444-2120, or leave a message when we're not broadcasting. Include your first name, location, and your question to 508-444-2120. And make sure you get to tune in each week, and you'll hear your question read or broadcast live on the air or you can call us and ask it live so uh that's always the best way so anyway um gonna jump back on the chat here um talking about the uh virtus rifle again michael's question about the sig mcx and he says uh the virtus seems like one of the better alternatives to an ar and i would agree i think it's definitely the closest as far as the nomenclature and the operation of the gun it's it's virtually identical to an ar-15 as far as the operation of the gun where the mag release is where the slide uh well where the charging handle is where the safety is etc etc and how to attach things and the feel of it the ergonomics etc it is a little bit heavier than your average ar-15 but that doesn't bother me much um i'm used to carrying a fairly heavy gun so um yeah so you could get check it out and um we get those in stock all the time. I Like I said, I do have the uh, 7.62x39, and I believe I have the 300 blackout conversion barrels for those in stock. So um, if you want to set one of those up, they're pretty cool. Um, let's see. Love my SIG SP2022. I just think it's a little overpriced. Yeah, um, it's funny. I, I've never really liked the SP2022. I get it. Uh why you could could end up liking it and um but i don't know i always thought it was a big gun um still hammer fired and i wasn't i was never really enamored by it i think the 
226 or the 229 is a better gun, but anyway. Fun with a gun says, if it's a SIG, buy it. I'm a SIG guy all the way. Carry the 238 home defense. He has a 226, and for competition, the SIG X carry. So that's cool. Um, a lot of people are SIG people, and what's funny is a lot of people aren't SIG people too. Like there's some people that just are like, nope. Never bought a SIG, never want to buy a SIG. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Um, I definitely uh, have, I don't, I'm not a SIG collector guy, but one of the customers of mine was just in the vault. I took I let him into the vault and he pulled out some stuff out of his locker. And he had about 20 SIG cases and most of them were German, you know, manufacturer. He's definitely a collector and he knows the nuance of them. He said, this model they only made a hundred of, and here it is. And I'm looking at it going, uh-huh, looks just like a 229. I'm like, what the heck, you know, what am I missing here? But he knows the nuance of it, and, and he's a collector. He likes the, the, the nuance of that. And I said it yesterday after the Grace Curley show that SIG does an amazing job of reinventing guns we determined that the sig 229 or 226 i guess maybe it was the 229 maybe both i don't know was really invented in like early 80s 83 84 so really it's coming up on its 40th anniversary and that gun is still a strong seller in our shop in all of its different iterations so they came out with the m11 the mark 25 the uh you know the um, Equinox, the um, the Nightmare, the what's the other one they had? The uh, Scorpion, um, you know, the AXG, the all these different versions of the same gun, and people would buy them and like collect them all. So I think Sig does an amazing job of that, and they're doing it like crazy now with the three sixty five and with the uh, three twenty as well. So they, you know, the Spectre, the Legion, the um, the carry, the subcompact, the et cetera, et cetera. So they, they do an amazing job of reinventing the wheel and getting people to buy into it. They were telling me that the least um, popular one so far has been the Zev collaboration with the, uh, with the 226. So I found that to be interesting because I thought that would really accelerate sales because Zev has its own fan base and, they make the Zev 365 and the 320 as well. So I thought for sure that it would, but they said no, it was kind of a flop, which I found interesting. But anyway, I actually just had a, another customer in the shop earlier today that was, you know, it was kind of like show and tell, and he's bringing out all his SIG products, showing me all the stuff he's done. He's done like the Icarus grip module on the 365, and and then he got the the comp slide, you know, the, 365 XL comp slide for it and new barrel and sights and a Holosun and everything else. So, you know, and a different trigger. I forget what trigger bar he put in it, trigger uh, shoe he put on there. But anyway, uh, you know, it's like show and tell. He was having a ball showing me and I was enjoying everything and the passion that he, he told me about all the stuff he did to it and whatnot. So it was, it was pretty cool. So anyway, what do you think? Uh, 508-444-2120 
is the number if you want to be on the show. The poll of the day is, what gun are you going to buy with your new tax return? A new rifle, a new pistol, a new shotgun, and what tax return? I'm not getting a tax return, but I'm buying a 50 BMG. So right now we're trending at new rifle is 16%, new pistol 66%. Still nobody has said they're buying a shotgun. And uh, no return, but I'm buying a 50 is trending at 16%. So, um, you know, jump on Twitter and Rapid Fire Radio, all one word, and vote in the poll or go to rapidfireradio.us and let your voice be heard. You can weigh in. And then in the chat, you can actually tell me which one you're buying. If you If you voted rifle or pistol or shotgun or whatever, you can tell me. Hey, I, I'm going to be buying a rifle, and I'm getting the, you know, Sig MCX or the Sig whatever, you know, or the fill in the blank. But anyway, um, and let's see. Continuing on with the chat, someone says no gun collection is complete without a revolver or a 1911. And duly noted, 500. I would agree with that. Um, and he says, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> that's one thing. 500 of those who are on the chat every week know is he's definitely got a few opinions. So, um, and fun with a gun says agreed on the 1911. That is the thing. And I would say that was the for the thing that started it for me is I got a 1911. That was my first pistol I ever bought when I was 18 years old, when you could do that when you were 18. And uh, I've recently taken to it later in life here again and sent it down to Nighthawk Customs. They did their whole uh, cons- uh, their carry package and their reliability package. They refinished the whole gun. They checkered the front strap. They put a Heine night sights on it. And they also cut it for iOS, um, their integrated optical sight. So um, I still have yet to put a red dot on it, but I'm going to do that. They put their beaver tail and all that stuff. I am going to send it back, though, and have them put a standard size uh, takedown lever on it instead of the extended uh, slide stop because my thumbs ride that slide stop when I shoot and it doesn't stay back on the last round. So I hate that. And uh, so I'm going to have them put the standard one in. But And then I might even have them change the finish of the gun. I like the de- that blacked out nitride finish, but I'm, I like the smoked nitride a lot better. So I might go that route. I don't know. Um, it's bad when you like sending your gun that, uh, you've already s- spent money to customize once and you're sending it back down to get it done again. It's like, this is becoming an obsession. So anyway, um, War says, I moved about a month ago just across town. I sent in my change of address to appropriate agencies and my city said I will not get a new address ID, a new ID with the new address. Will I still be able to purchase items even? Yes. Uh, that's actually a great question. And uh, But they do change it at the... Um, FRB, and so when when we run the Mercs or whenever the licensed gun shop runs the Mercs, they can use that form that's printed after you know with the new address on it as you know evidence of your address change. So uh, there you go. You don't want to use your old address. You want to use your new address and uh, um, change it at the FRB so that the Mercs will match where you now live. So there you go. That's supporting documentation. So. Guys, the first show is in the bag. I mean, the first hour of the show is in the bag. Uh, we got another whole hour coming up with attorney Jason Guida. You don't want to miss it. Cue up your questions if you want to, 
be a part of the show and ask some questions. I'm sure he'll be taking calls and answering your questions on the chat. But thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, the show goes on for another hour. So tune in to rapidfireradio.us. You can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120, and ask questions and also text them in. Uh, Freedom will always be on the right side of history, so stay tuned. We'll see you on the other side. I'm Toby Leary. Jason Guida is next. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Once you're involved in something like this, the stress level... It can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Coert was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything you work for taken away. Coart was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford, where he'd worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back, and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks, Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. Constitutional carry has become all the rage these days. Apparently, the mainstream media has gotten all over this term, and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. It does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember, you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, 
None of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. You will be held accountable for your actions as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training and you know your laws so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Saber. Yeah. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Make sure you tune in each and every week to Rapid Fire Radio at rapidfireradio.us. You can join the conversation by calling or texting or leaving a message to the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. And you can like us and subscribe on all of our social media platforms, wherever you partake in your social media of preference. We're at Rapid Fire Radio or at Cape Gunworks. And on all the usual suspects and also some of the alternative sites. Uh, but we are on all big tech and will continue to be until they give us the final boot. And hopefully uh, that won't happen anytime soon. But uh, right now I'm really pleased to have on the line with us uh, attorney Jason Guida. He is a Massachusetts attorney who's doing a lot of great work for us here behind the lines and trying to keep everybody uh, on the straight and narrow and <laughs> out of jail as you try to be a responsible gun owner in Massachusetts. That can be a hard uh, endeavor. And as you know, ignorance is no excuse for not knowing the law, right? So, <laughs> Jason, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm great, Toby. Thank you for having me. And hopefully I can bring some energy here. It's uh, half five o'clock. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> keep the energy up. That's me. right. Exactly. Um, and it's it's always fun to talk to lawyers about stuff that, you know, <laughs> potentially could ruin our lives, right? <laughs> At, in our favorite activity, which is owning and collecting and shooting and, uh, you know, for whatever sporting purposes that is. And uh, so, you know, just that's the th- that's the whole uh point of this conversation is i get a lot of questions every week on grace curly i get them on this show in the chat we get emails i got people pouring through the doors at the gun store and everybody is equally confused and sometimes including myself and i i don't want to be a lawyer i don't play a good lawyer on tv and i you know, everyone looks to me as for legal advice as the gun expert, you know, and I, I know enough to be dangerous. But on the other hand, at the end of the day, this isn't a job you take casually, right? You make a, prof- a living at it. And frankly, it has serious Im- implications if you get it wrong. And in this state, they don't make it easy on us. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your practice, who you are, what you did, your history. Uh, give it a few minutes here and just tell everyone what it is you do and and how you do it. No, I, pre- I appreciate that, Toby. So uh, my practice is entirely focused on firearms law. I do licensing, restoration of rights, uh, violations of our gun laws and self-defense. That's all I do. Mm. Uh, I've been 
in private practice over a decade um, before I got into private practice. I was the director of the Massachusetts Firearms Records Bureau, which, as you know, is the agency that oversees licensing for the state um, and really sets a lot of the policies and procedures uh, for firearms licensing and enforcement of our gun laws. Uh, prior to that, I was a prosecutor, um, and I, my focus um, in my caseload was gun crime. Uh, and before that, I actually worked in the legislature. I was around uh, when the assault weapons ban was passed, when the firearms licensing review board was passed. So I've been kind of on the legislative side. I've seen that enforcement and then obviously on defense side as well. Mm. So obviously you have probably a better understanding of the inner workings of the, you know, FRB and the, and gun prosecutions and uh, how police departments treat gun related incidents. And, you know, I've heard it said, and I think you and I have even talked about it over the years that basically in this state, if you find yourself in some sort of altercation and there's a gun present, whether it be a defensive issue or some other in- issue where the gun comes known, chances are you got a really good chance you're getting hooked up and headed downtown, right? Um, it's yeah. pretty much a, a just arrest and sort it out later. We'll let the courts figure it out. That's kind yeah. of the approach this state takes, right, when it comes to... You're absolutely correct. I mean, you should anticipate in any situation in which your firearm is... It displayed, drawn, or used um, that you will uh, be arrested um, on the scene or charged later on. Uh, and quite frankly, at the initial part of your case, um, you should expect bail. Um, you know, if you shoot someone, possibly hell without bail um, on what's called a dangerousness hearing. So Massachusetts is really set up um, that way where the government has a lot of power at the very beginning and it takes a while to process through the case and really sometimes not until you get to trial, do you actually, you know, are able to present your case and that could be a year or two down the road. Mm. It's a scary situation. And I, and I have a number of cases on my desk of clients that, you know, didn't anticipate or didn't expect the reaction. And when you look at them, they're legitimate lawful self-defense cases, but, Self-defense is an affirmative defense, which means that it's the defendant's burden to raise it at trial. And the government, you know, the prosecutors look at it and they're like, go ahead, we got nothing to lose. Um, but you do, mm. you know, so. Yeah, along something along those lines. Um, there's a guy, I was reading an article today in Canada uh, who defended himself with a legally owned gun in his own home. He lives with his mother. And, you know, they... Uh, arrested the guy after shooting this armed robber um, who was who came into their home, forced entry. You know, it was a hot burglary. And um, once the guy was inside, this 22-year-old man fought back and shot the guy. And, and now he's facing second-degree murder cho- uh, in, in Canada for mm-hmm. defending his home. Uh, mm-hmm. And... To me, that's what the whole Second Amendment was put in place for or acknowledged was the most basic fundamental human right, and that is the right to self-defense. And yet we have countries like Canada that basically say you don't have a right to self-defense with a firearm. 
Like that's ridiculous. And people think that can't happen here, but we're already well down that road in a state like Massachusetts where, you know, you're almost guilty until proven innocent, you know, uh, or you got to prove your innocence, right? Well, it is. I mean, again, self-defense is an affirmative defense. You need to present some evidence that you are acting appropriately in order to overcome a possible conviction. Mm -hmm. If the government can show that you use more force than was reasonably necessary um, or that, uh, you know, outside your home, you have a duty to retreat, that you didn't take all steps that were reasonably necessary to, to flee the scene, to leave. Um, you know, a jury can come back and find you guilty. Um, you know, that always, you know, particularly uh, the question of whether you use more force than was reasonably necessary always quite often comes up when you're, you know, you're using a firearm, displaying it to get someone to back off of you. Um, but that person is unarmed. Um, and, you know, there's always the other question, if the government can show that you weren't actually, uh, in fear of, you know, possible serious bodily injury or death, and they can show that, you know, the force you used was deadly force, um, you know, the government can convict you that way as well. So there, there's a lot of risk, and I tell my clients this, there is a lot of risk to, you know, number one, even carrying the firearm, right? Because, you know, how many files are on my desk. I probably get one a month where a client leaves his firearm in a bathroom or uh, falls out of his waistband at a restaurant or something like that, um, leaves their purse behind, things like that. You know, you're going to get charged with a crime for that. Mm. Um, and then using your firearm, as, you, as we laid out, you should expect, you should absolutely anticipate and expect that you will be arrested if you use your firearm, even if you display it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that um, I talk about that in a lot of our licensing classes. I've actually had someone say in the middle of class, like, I don't think I want to carry a gun anymore. <laughs> and I yeah. said, look, here's the thing. It's the, the threshold of when you use your gun in defensive, uh, you know, in a defensive for a defensive reason should far outweigh the thought of prosecution or bankruptcy or you know, anything else because you're eminently in danger of losing your life or someone you love's life. So obviously that whole analogy is I, I don't want to die, so I'm going to defend myself. But, um, you know, using a gun as a hammer, just a tool to, you know, win an argument or road rage or, um, you know, brandishing it when is an is a level of escalation that is probably going to get you in serious trouble. And it does. Yeah. yeah and f f you know, you read a lot of people in other States, they're maybe a little bit more tolerant to that, but you can look at a lot of States aren't, and just even States that are like stand your ground States, it can come down to, um, you know, you, you may have legally been able to shoot under the question of the law, the letter of the law, but then you're left with this moral question of could versus should and also the civil side of things, which could also get very costly. Um, yeah, I, I read another article uh, earlier today about a, a woman who was attacked in the south side of Chicago. Surprise, surprise. And 
defended herself with a firearm and killed the the guy. Now, she was a good Samaritan that got involved in a situation that was escalating out on the street that she saw happening and came out and interacted with her firearm. And then, you know, everything seemed to be over and she put it away and walked away and they attacked her and tried to get her gun uh, from her, res- wrestle the gun away from her. She shot the guy in the process and he died and now his family's suing her for 10 million dollars uh civilly and so you know again when do you bring the gun into the fight when do you act you know this wasn't yeah and it's it's a world of hurt you know and so really it all comes down to each one of us has to decide where that threshold level is our, our pain level and and you know for me it's it's when the alternative to not shooting is something I cannot live with for the rest of my life because a loved one that I could have prevented getting hurt or injured or die, uh, being killed or myself uh, being maimed or dying and now my kid's not having a father. That's really the threshold level for me. But everyone has to make that, um, you know. And so you've made it, uh, you may basically make a living at, at this. Is there any recommendation or advice that you could give us that do choose to carry a gun out there in the public space and and what what should we do as far as uh you know maybe level of training or some things we can do to make sure we're not uh in this situation where we need your services for the wrong reasons yeah i mean two points um with regard to training you know i've seen some shoot or don't shoot scenarios um that you know curriculum and, and and it really i think those curriculums really uh help reinforce this like just because it looks like this it may not be that um and maybe use of force is not appropriate um i do recommend that to people um i've definitely done some myself and i've seen them uh, they're quite shocking um and I, you may know some of the ones that i'm talking about or you may have taught on those um the next thing i'm going to say and you know it might be controversial if you have uh law enforcement listeners but um i tell my clients and i and i know you know look I, you know and when i do presentation on self-defense I and mean, my brother's a cop i you know i have a lot of friends who are cops i have very good relationships with the police but when the police respond to a scene and you have a gun you're a suspect and everything you say at that scene can and will be used against you. Mm-hmm. And again, you should anticipate, you should expect that you are a suspect. You're going to get arrested. You're going to be prosecuted. So when they get there and you've just pulled your gun, you fired your gun, whatever the case may be, don't talk. Um, because everything you say later on, it may hurt you in your trial, in your mm-hmm. self-defense argument, right? Yeah. You know, the, those, the little specifics about how far away the guy was, what he did, what he looked like, how, you know, how he acted, all of those little things, you know, if you get those wrong at the beginning or you miss some of those facts, when we get to the day of trial and you have to take the stand, your mistakes are going to be used to impeach your credibility later on. Mm. Um, so just, you know, ask for your attorney is really what you said. I respectfully, yeah, I request for an attorney, and that's it. And that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up and and said that because the natural propensity for humans in that situation is to get it off their chest, to tell their side of the story. If they could just get their side of the story out there, then 
everything will be fine. They'll say, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Now get in your car and go home. No problem. Have a nice day. That's mm-hmm. that's what we think, right? To a certain extent, we're like, oh, man, uh, they just need to hear it from my side of the story about why I did what I did or why I had to shoot my gun. But at the end of the day, you're 100% right. You're probably incriminating yourself to a certain extent because that now they have something to take apart and, and yeah. deconstruct in trial. And uh yeah, it's it's very difficult uh to to get that concept and you have to be prepared about that ahead of time to just shut up, right? And, and it's uh, hard. It's yeah. hard. You you know, Toby, you're a good guy and you know, when the police come you you assume that the police are there to help you. And you know, you're been taught to, you know, cooperate with the police that you're not the suspect. Mm. But the truth is is that they're really there to to investigate a crime. And then when the lawyers get a hold of what you've said, they're going to pick you apart. Mm. And, you know, it's not, again, it's not an indictment on the police. The police are doing their job. And the culture, as we talked about earlier in Massachusetts, the culture that we have, that's what you're fighting against, is a culture. Guns are bad. Guns are evil. You'll, you see it in bail arguments. You see it in restraining orders when... You know, the ex-wife says, oh, my husband has guns. I'm afraid the judge's ears, you know, ears perk up and their eyes start paying attention. And all of a sudden they're issuing restraining orders. Right. Um, this is the culture that you're in. So you need to understand that going into it and realize that, you know, again, you're going to get arrested when you use that gun. You need to be ready for that. And you need to be quiet. Um, ask for an attorney. I can, I can tell your side of the story as, as your attorney. I can say, look, my client tells me this, this, and this. That's not coming into evidence against you. Mm. But everything you say is if you say it directly. Yeah. So don't say anything. That's good advice. A um, couple questions coming in on the chat here. Uh, one is that um, someone's interested in building their own AR-15. And yeah. uh, we joke about this a lot. Like, um, It depends who you ask, right? <laughs> so yeah. is it legal for somebody who's acquired a lower to build an AR-15 under the current state law, if you will. just Let's use legal as the threshold. And I said I'd ask you. All right. (laughs) Sit back, grab a soda, beer, whatever. (laughs) I'm going to explain it. All right. We have the original assault weapons ban, right? Right. The the assault weapons ban, the federal ban, expired on September 13th, uh, or it was uh, enacted on September 13th, 1994. Right. Um, And it subsequently expired. And we incorporated that original federal law into state law. So what is that assault weapons ban? There are two pieces to it. And we'll just focus on rifles for today. Okay, there is the enumerated list in that statute. Enumerated means it says exact. These weapons are illegal. Example, a Colt AR-15 is an assault weapon unless it was lawfully possessed prior to September 13th, 1994. It's illegal to own in mass. It's right in the statute, okay? After you get through that list of weapons, you then go to the, what, you know, we in, in this community usually call the evil features test, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, um, the, the things on the weapon that make it illegal. So first, with a ri- rifle, if it's semi-automatic, incapable of accepting a detachable magazine and it has two of the five evil features pistol grip 
folding or telescoping stock, threaded barrel, grenade launcher. Am I missing one? I think I did five. Uh, it's the pistol grip, right? Pistol so, grip, detachable mag, bayonet lug, flash hider, uh, yeah. folding or collapsible right. stock. Yeah. Yeah, right. So if it has two of those five evil features. And grenade launcher, yeah. Grenade launcher, right. Yeah. Two of the five evil features, it's unlawful. So if you build a weapon and you put a folding stock on it and it has the pistol grip, right? Almost ARs are gonna, right? That's unlawful. It's unlawful to own. If you build a rifle and it has a fixed stock but a threaded barrel in the pistol grip, it's unlawful. You can't have it, okay? That's the the assault weapons ban in a nutshell, okay? Is it in the statute, that specific weapon? If it's not, then you have to look at the features. And if it's two of those five evil features, you can't have it unless it was lawfully possessed prior to September 13th, 1994. Now, fast forward to a couple of years ago. I think it was 2016. Um, it's been a while, right? When yep. the Attorney General passed her, issued her enforcement notice. Okay. 7 2016. Look at you. That's great. 20, that's been a while, too, huh? Yep. Man. So, in 2016, the Attorney General issued an enforcement notice. What an enforcement notice is, is her opinion about how she, and I say she, it was Attorney General Healy, who is now our governor, Mm -hmm. how she intends to enforce the assault weapons ban. Now, I told you there is the enumerated list, there's the features list. But before the enumerated list, there's language that says, any copy or duplicate of the following weapons. She has said that her she believes copy or duplicate means similar to the weapons that are in that list. So take the Colt AR-15. She has said in her enforcement notice that if it has the same type of operating system or it has interchangeable parts, so operating system, direct impingement, um, gas piston, that kind of stuff, right? And then... And, interchangeable parts, you know, trigger assembly, things like that. How, if they have the same things, one of those two things, then it's the same as a Colt AR-15 and therefore unlawful to possess. Okay. She grandfathered in. She said in her enforcement notice, if you owned it before I issued this notice, you can still have it. Okay. But going forward, You can't have any of these things. You can't build any of these things. All right? Now, that's her opinion of the law. She believes that if you get prosecuted, her office, which is not her office anymore, but theoretically a prosecutor could argue that the item that you have, even though it's not in the enumerated list and even though it doesn't have the evil features, is an assault weapon because it's a copy or duplicate. And this is her rationale. This is her reasoning. Okay? And present it to a judge. And a judge might agree with her. Okay? There are arguments to say, no, she's wrong. She's wrong because a copy or duplicate is not these things. We bring in an expert. That expert testifies and says, no, a copy or duplicate um, of these are this kind of thing, not that kind of thing. Okay? Here's the question for you. Do you want to be the guy that gets prosecuted and proves her wrong? Mm. That's what has happened. It created this chilling effect where 
people now are being advised, you're on notice, that if we want to prosecute you, we will. And we're going to make this argument in your prosecution. Okay? Law enforcement is on notice that they can charge you with a copy or duplicate, an assault weapons ban violation. Now, it's a felony. An assault weapons ban violation is a felony. Mm. It's up to 10 years in state prison. Okay? Mm. Do you want to be the test case? So, look, I think that there is an argument that she's wrong or at least goes too far. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm a cautious guy. I also charge a lot of money for my services. <laughs> and I and I feel like I should tell you up front, rather than spending the money on me, maybe you should be cautious too. Right. I, I agree with you there. And uh, the interesting thing I found of the whole scenario is the, and you know what, as a gun shop, we made a business decision to not sell AR-15 lowers for that reason, because mm-hmm. we didn't want one of our customers to end up in that situation and be like pointing the finger at us saying, hey, if it wasn't legal, why'd you sell it to me? I believe legally I can sell lower receivers, like even though she's threatened me that I can't, I believe legally under the definition of the law that I can under mass state law. However, we're going to hold, yeah, we'll hold that thought and I'll finish it on the other side. Um, We're here with Jason Guida. So stay tuned. We're going to finish this conversation or continue this conversation on the other side on rapid fire to a talk radio. You can call in if you have a question for Jason, 508-444-2120. And we will be right back. Don't go away. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Rapid Fire, a weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And we're here with Jason Guida, a Massachusetts-based attorney who defends uh, the good people of Massachusetts in the Second Amendment uh, area. Um, And we had this conversation going about the 94 assault weapons ban, which ultimately became permanent for Massachusetts. We've been living in under it ever since. And... uh, we just he just did a great job of explaining um, why caution is probably the best uh, way to proceed. Uh, the interesting thing in everything you just said, Jason, is there's 50 states that lived under this assault weapons ban for 10 years. There's three or four of us that continue to live under it, but 
during that 10-year period, there wasn't a single attorney general that interpreted the law the way that Maura Healy did um, during that 10-year period. There wasn't a single, you know, one out of, there wasn't one out of 50 that said, or even the U.S. Attorney's Office didn't say, if you have any AR-15, you're, you know, now a felon. Uh, so she's really taken this and leveled it up, if you will, from where it was for the whole country for 10 years. So I, I agree with you that you have a legal defense on your side. We have precedent and almost 20 years of uh, kind of settled legal law, if you will, around copies or duplicates in this country or in this state even before she came out with her, you know, enforcement notice. So, uh, but she, it had the desired effect. It, and I think she was very smart in one way, and that was she aimed her gun at the dealers and didn't decide to go door to door serving notice on all of the gun owners of Massachusetts. She served, you know, instead of controlling three to 400,000 people, she basically boiled it down to three to 400, you know, licensed gun shops and was able to say, make that the choke point. And, um, so, you know, we know there's a lot of people on the spectrum of uh, compliance of that from the most extreme to the most conservative. Um, but do you think that, you know, this will all go away and this whole conversation will go away someday, hopefully, as a result of the Bruin decision uh, that came out in June? Yeah, I mean, good question. You may uh, may be aware that Rhode Island um, recently uh, banned uh, large capacity magazines completely. Um, So not even grandfathered in. You had to surrender your grandfathered in um, large cap mags. And they're obviously, you know, gun owners filed for an injunction to prevent that law from taking, uh, you know, uh, from uh, being enforced. And, um, you know, the district court in Rhode Island, federal district court, uh, you know, using the language of the Bruin decision, uh, you know, created, you know, a, a historical analysis, which, you know, ultimately said that, um, you know, large cap mags aren't protected by the Second Amendment, right? And, you know, there's, I think there was a recent case out of I want to say Illinois, but I have to look again, which held it. And I think it's one of California too, that held the assault weapons ban, you know, using a historical analysis mm-hmm. did, you know, violate the second amendment. We're not really going to know. It's not brewing itself. That's going to change the tide. We're really not going to know until the Supreme court ultimately makes a ruling on this very specific issue. Um, what I have seen in Massachusetts courts is what I feel is a doubling down. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, you're seeing in other jurisdictions kind of a swing towards gun rights. I'm seeing the court system and law enforcement in particular, but definitely the court system holding the wall here that, you know, there's a, there's an idea here that, you know, we're not going to let, our laws be affected by what's going on outside of the state. Um, you know, the enforcement of minimum mandatories, the, uh, 
upholding of suitable person decisions by chiefs on very flimsy, flimsy evidence, um, and incorporating the attorney general's opinion on suitability not being affected by Bruin in their decisions. Um, you know, if you're asking me if I think the assault weapons ban is going to going to go away anytime soon, no. In fact, I think you know I, you might be aware there's a listening tour going on with legislators right now. Um, I think the laws are going to get worse mm. um, before they get better. I don't think at least the state courts are not going to help us. It's not going to be until the Supreme Court addresses these issues. Suitability, assault weapons ban, um, attorney generals, uh, handgun regs, approved weapons roster. That stuff is going to have to make it up and through before we get some answers. Yeah, there's an article about that right now today on, I think, ammoland.com, if I'm not mistaken, or Bearing Arms. I, I forget where I saw it, but um, how California is basically stalling on this whole subject because after Bruin, there were assault weapons bans and magazine capacity bans that were GVR'd back to the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to the districts or the, you know, the Court of Appeals, like in the Ninth Circuit of California, because that, uh, Miller v. Bonta case that made it all the way up. And instead of them hearing the case or ruling on it, they basically just pointed it at the Bruin decision of, you know, text is advised by history and tradition. Um, mm-hmm. And and they said, um, we're vacating your lower ruling and and sending it back to get it right. So that's what gives us all a glimmer of hope is that, oh, mm-hmm. uh, I wish that the Supreme Court had just said uh, this is all moot now because of Bruin, but they didn't. They sent it back to the courts as a GVR, and so ultimately, if it were, it's working its back way back up, but it's getting stalled out right now because they understand what's going on. They can't make the argument through text, history, or tradition that this is uh, a constitutional law. And so it's it's kind of just floundering there. Eventually, something's going to happen, but how long is it going to take? Who knows? And even when it does, if it has a favorable outcome for the Second Amendment or for gun owners, it still doesn't change us here in the First yeah, Circuit. In the First Circuit, it just right. means we got precedent to now argue and go through the same process here, right? right. Which is well, you know years down the road, probably. What we're seeing, what I'm seeing from decisions, like there was a decision out of the Third Circuit um, looking at a nonviolent insurance fraud felony where the court used, you know, uh, individuals who were, you know, refusing to um, follow religious, uh, you know, requirements, um, being disarmed, right? Those people were disarmed because they refused to, you know, pledge an oath or, you know, become, uh, you know, change religions. Um, they use that as examples of disarmament for those who don't follow government rules. And therefore, a nonviolent felony can uh, bar you from exercising your Second Amendment rights. Mm. I mean, the problem is, is that you look at history and you can pick and choose your examples from history in order to support your argument. Um and so now we're getting these split decisions, right? We've got another, you know, a court, I think, out of Texas that held that a restraining order, it, an act of restraining order cannot prevent you from exercising your Second Amendment rights. Mm. 
you know, which history counts is going to be really what the Supreme Court ultimately is going to have to make a decision on. Because, you know, again, it's the culture issue. Those who listen to your show and are living in Massachusetts have to understand the culture that there's a pendulum swing right now going the other way, going towards hold the line, hold the wall, don't give up an inch. Um, And we're going to see that in the judiciary and in law enforcement and in the legislature. Um, And there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road until the Supreme Court gives us an answer. Mm. I know that's not what you want to hear or the listeners want to hear, but (laughs) that's the way I I think I see it. Now, there's good people working on this. Com2A, for example, um, Gun Owners Action League. These are groups, you know, FPC. These are groups that are trying to get things to that spot. Right. But it's going to be some time before yeah. it gets there. No, and I, I totally agree with you. I actually had a guy in the shop the other day uh, asking me that same question. And I said, uh, he think, he's like, you think things are going to get better or worse or stay the same? Or, you know, what about this David Linsky bill that's, you know, to ban all semi-automatic weapons? And I said, look, this, this stuff happens every legislative session. Yeah. Um, the problem I see now is there has been some wins in the courts federally and what does what do gun ban states do when there's wins in the courts? They make new laws to try to counteract them. Like New York did it instantly, California did it, New Jersey did it. Uh, they in, instantly enacted all these laws. Fortunately, we haven't had that issue here in Massachusetts. But I promise, if wins keep happening in the court system, the people who have disdain for your rights aren't going to sit idly by. There's no chance of that happening. <laughs> and now they have more seats in the House and Senate and a governor that all kind of feel the same way and an attorney general to prosecute any infractions of it. So I agree that uh, things could get uh, worse before they get better for us in this state. I still have a rosy outlook of the future as, you know, with with the Supreme Court ruling that came out and some of the action that's been happening as a subsequent reaction to that. But um you mentioned earlier this listening tour. Uh, that usually happens when they're about to do something, right? Uh, In my experience, it happens when they already have an idea of what they're going to do, and they're just right. pretending like they want to hear your side of the story. Right. Um, I don't have an insight on what the, you know, typically at this stage, they probably have proposals put together without actual, you know, pen to paper. Um, but... You know, and again, I, I've worked in the legislature, I worked in the state senate, I worked for the public safety committee, uh, and perhaps that's jaded me. And it, maybe it's unfair of me to critique people who I don't know. Um, but in my experience, there is probably an already a set of ideas, which those who have proposed those ideas and those who are on the listening tour believe are good ideas. And they are giving the appearance of caring what your opinion of their ideas is. Mm. Um, You know, I am kind of cautiously warning my clients at this point with regard to large cap mags, um, you know, what Rhode Island did and the fact that it's been upheld and the fact that that's now, that case has now been appealed to our first circuit. There may be an appetite to collect large cap mags and that may be coming down the road. Um, You know, changing for years they've been talking about changing the definition of firearm you know to go more towards what the feds do 
mm-hmm. um, definitely plan on banning so-called ghost guns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that could be coming down the road. Um, you know, even, you know, 80% and build-outs and things like that, they're going to try to go after that stuff. Now, whether their laws make any sense when you read them and when they get implemented into the laws that are already in the books, because they just put stuff on like a sandwich, right? Cheese, bologna, salami, peanut butter, jelly. They don't care. Right. And a lot of times they all conflict and they don't make any sense anyway, which gives us ways to argue them, right? Yeah. But I feel like they're, they really feel empowered right now. Yeah. Um, I think there was an update from the Firearms Policy Coalition the other day uh, on Massachusetts. Um, they are the ones challenging the attorney, well, not the attorney, the, 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 yeah. Yeah, the roster and right. the approved weapons roster and, and the AG regs. And yeah. uh, I think they have a date now for oral arguments. If, if I'm not mistaken, I can't, I'm trying to find where I read it, but I can't find it uh, right here while I'm on the air. But I think it was sometime in April that the date was yeah. set for oral arguments. So that's good. Maybe we'll see could some, be. yeah, see some could movement. Be. Yeah, it uh, definitely could be. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever work with the FPC? Yeah. So I was on the original case um, that they filed um, when, you know, prior to Bruin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that went up and it was unsuccessful. It went up. Uh, now it's back down. So, um, yeah, no, I, I have worked with them and obviously com 2 a as well. Um, and you know, SAF second amendment foundation. Yeah. Well, that's good. I think they're doing a good job and, and definitely need our support. I've been sending, mm-hmm. sending the money. Uh, I met a couple of the guys out at shot show and I'm going to try and get, uh, Craig on the show who was does yeah. the morning coffee with Craig. He's one of the FPC attorneys. And I met, um, Cody there, the, uh, is it Cody? Is that right? The founder of FPC. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to try and get him on the show as well. So, but I asked him and he said, this state is a hard state to do anything in. Cause you know, the courts are like arguing into a wind tunnel. Sometimes. Yeah. Really right. Um, well, hopefully we'll see some good positive movement, uh, in that, um, I do have a question. Uh, Great. Fire Matty. Let's let's fire away many questions you can in ten minutes. Right? We'll go rapid fire here. Rapid uh, fire questions. <laughs> free free legal advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> can I ask Jason? Uh, I lost my mic. Uh, can I ask Jason to comment on some pending legislation regarding uh, status for misdemeanors, uh, prohibited person status for misdemeanors, possibly Williams v. Garland or Range versus Garland? I don't know if you know those yeah. in in particular, but. Um, the prohibited person status for misdemeanors. That's a big one in this state. Um, it's huge. Yeah. Huge. And, and uh, you have any uh, thing you So I'm not about? aware of any pending, like, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty busy and I don't have time to go through the thousands of bills yeah, anymore right. that I, you know, maybe 20 years ago when I worked in the legislature, I would. But, um, and, you know, goal usually, gun owners actually usually does a good job of kind of tearing through that and poking the ones up. But I haven't seen, uh, any legislation that would fix the two and a half versus two year issue, right? Mm-hmm. So OUI, assault and battery, uh, receiving stolen property, um, those are the common ones. Vehicular manslaughter is another example, which have a penalty. Of, um, they're mis- state misdemeanors, but they have a penalty of up to two and one half years in the House of Correction. You, you don't have to get that, but you could get that. Right? right. That prohibits you from possess from obtaining a license to carry. 
And it also results in the permanent loss of your Second Amendment rights in the United States. Mm. It doesn't make sense, right? Many states have what's called the model penal code where, you know, assault and battery is a one year unless there's an aggravated circumstance and it's two years, right? It doesn't, it, until it gets above two years, once it gets above two years, you're talking about your felonies. But Massachusetts has this weird half year, this hanger on. Um, and it, it really damages a lot of people. The Firearms Licensing Review Board is back in business. I, you know, I actually had to litigate against them because they weren't meeting and they were denying everyone. Um, they're back working and operating as they should. Um, but the board only can restore your LTC rights. It won't restore your, uh, your federal rights. So you won't be able to buy a gun and you'll still be in violation of federal law if you pass even with that LTC. Um, so from what I've seen, you know, look, the legislature uh, has done some stuff with regard to expungement. And there is expungement provisions for certain crimes under the age of 21. Um, you know, you should be, you know, encourage your legislators to expand expungement. Um, because there's no gun angle to that. You don't tell them expand expungement so I can get guns. You tell them expand expungement because it's not fair. It, it hurts, you know, people who, you know, may have grown up in poverty and, did, you know, made bad decisions, had a drug problem, but have cleaned up their lives, have rehabilitated, expand expungement for those reasons. Now, it'll help you on the other side because it'll help you get your gun rights back. I've done a lot of expungements since the law passed two years ago where I've been able to completely wipe the record clean, you know, for felonies, for violent crimes and get people their gun rights back. Mm. So yeah, if, you, if you're talking to a legislature, talk about expungement. How, and expungement's done in the court system? Yeah. So it starts with probation. There's a process and then you get a hearing in a district court. The DA's office can oppose it and they have. I've litigated against it. Um, against the DAs fighting them. But, um, you know, again, the, the statute's very limited. You can't expunge an OUI. Um, you can't expunge a negligent operation. Um, if you have more than two offenses on your record, you can't expunge the, any, you're not eligible to expunge. If you're an adult uh, after 21, you can't expunge. So expanding expungement has a great deal of benefit to, again, people who, you know, might have had problems years ago but it's otherwise rehabilitated, but it also helps you with your gun rights. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, I had a guy I'm friendly with, uh, friends I'm friends with, uh, come in and he had never expressed interest in the gun shop before. And, and, uh, but he's getting on in years and now all of a sudden later on in life, he, he has started saying like, geez, I'm a senior citizen now. I'd like to, you know, get a gun and get some training. However, and he was asking me, and I said, I gave him your number, actually. And um, he said, back when I was a young stud, you know, uh, insurance guy, um, him and a couple of the people in the office were padding an expense account for this giant corporation that they worked for. And uh, one day he got, a, he got served by federal agents because it was done yeah. through the mail. So yeah. the postal service got involved and federal agents got involved and he fled uh, out to a, a felony uh, for like mail fraud or something like that. It was a lesser yeah. charge of mail fraud or something. And now he's like, can I ever own a gun? And I said, I don't think so. And he's like, this is like 45 years ago. And I said, I don't think so, but call an attorney. And and then, uh, so what you were just saying before, I'm wondering if there's a way to 
reopen that case or get an expungement or or is he looking for a presidential pardon at this point is that that's, the, is that the only, that's what i was <laughs> going to say the presidential pardon is all you got because at the federal level once you get to that stage your rights are preserved there's no expungement in the first circuit um you know the the way that the feds handle their cases you're when you play they don't take a case the u.s attorney's office doesn't take a case unless you're guilty as hell um you know they are not looking for you know you know you know guesswork here um you know i used to i worked with atf you know when i worked for the state presenting cases to the u.s attorney's office 99 times out of 100 they push it back across the table and tell us to get more evidence right so they're not looking for guesswork um if you get a federal conviction or a federal felony, you're done. You're just really? done. Unfortunately, yeah, there's nothing. There. And quite frankly, felonies in, in Massachusetts, they, many times the only thing you're going to be able to do is somehow go back into court, try to reopen the case, right. and try to vacate the conviction. That is not easy work. That is yeah. very difficult. There Probably are many guys that I... Too. Yeah, there's many guys I tell them, like, I'm sorry, there's just nothing here. Like it's a valid conviction. You had a lawyer. You took a plea because if you didn't, you were going to prison, right? Sometimes that's what happens, unfortunately. My my one question about that is I was shocked when I, you know, I actually served as an expert witness in a trial uh, a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, a separate subject. But um, what I was shocked about when I was sitting in the courtroom was, all the people who have taken these plea deals, the the judge goes through great lengths to explain to them that if they're an illegal alien or an undocumented alien, that you know they can th- what their rights were. And it took about ten minutes for them to go through the whole diatribe and ask them questions. But never once did they were they asked, "Do you understand?" that if you take this deal, you will now be a federally prohibited person and you may or may not be able to participate in certain right, constitutional rights that you have afforded to you now. Like, I think that would, you know, like he said, I was never told during this plea deal that I would never be able to own a gun for the rest of my life. That seems to me so much more important than, you know, this legal status diatribe that they go over for 10 minutes. But... If somebody, yeah. you know, so if there had never been a, made aware by their attorney or by the prosecutor or by the judge that, hey, you've signed this form and you have surrendered your rights forever. It's, so that's a well-traveled road um, of challenges. And every case that's come back has said that the loss of your gun rights is what they call a collateral consequence of a plea and that you are not it is not required that you knowingly and intelligently waive that right. Wow. Um, even in gun-friendly states, even in states where, you know, the Second Amendment rights have a different, you know, culture, or there's a different culture towards them, even then, they have, courts have refused to set aside convictions based on the argument that I was not aware that I would lose my gun rights because of this. Incredible. Um, and, and, again, he, you know, I haven't seen many challenges as of Bruin, but there certainly was a flurry after Heller and McDonald, which said there is a right, and the states have to recognize it, right? But um, in every situation, they what look the courts. It's an institution, 
right? And the the courts don't want to be revisiting every single plea that's ever been had because people are upset that they can't own guns anymore. Right. They're going to protect that law mm. and they're going to make an analysis that prevents that from happening. Mm. Um, you know, the exception um, is, of course, this Padilla decision on, on immigration rights. Um, but they really twisted to get to that point as well. Mm. Um, well, yeah. he, here's another thought on this. And I, th- this to me is um, such an, you know, an important uh, point. And I don't know if anyone's argued this. I'm sure they have, but I'm, I'm no legal scholar. So I, I certainly, uh, I'm sure I'm not the thir- first person to think about this. But if you commit an OUI, you're now a prohibited person, as you just outlined in this state, you know. Uh, however, after so many months or, you know, picking up some trash on the side of the road or paying a fine or whatever, or, you know, being on probation for a certain period of time, guess what? They restore your driving privileges, which mm. is the thing that got you in trouble in the first place. Like, yeah. that was the that was the law that you offended, yeah. and with a pretty much a slap on the wrist and i'm not saying it's a slap on the wrist i would never want to have be in that position but within months or you know a few thousand dollars and you know a couple days in court a couple days off of work you're now driving around again and you re- your driving privileges are restored even mm-hmm. though what you did had nothing to do with a gun right you're now prohibited for life, no matter what state you live in or wherever you live. That to me is more of an affront to my rights than anything is the fact that you're going to give me my driver's license back, but I can't go hunting with my kids with a shotgun. uh, Even though what I did had nothing to do with the shotgun in the first place. So, um, you know, that's just, beyond the pale. And I, I don't know if anyone's made that argument or, or sure. has talked about that. Yeah. I mean, again, if you look at the case law in this area, that argument is, you know, at least in Massachusetts, it's been made in that case. Um, you know, here, as we're sitting here, it's fundamentally unfair. It, it's wrong. And it, it, it makes no sense. There's no connection. There's no nexus between that conduct in a, sec- a fundamental right, right? Mm-hmm. But before you go on to that, I don't want to run out of time. I want you to be able to tell everyone. We'll leave them hanging on that note. <laughs> but I want to leave you a few minutes um, a minute here to tell people how they can find you if they do need your services. Where okay. can they look you up? Where's your social media if you have it? Blah blah blah. So go ahead mm-hmm. before the end of the show. I don't want to run out. I want to give you time. No, I, to do that. I appreciate that. So absolutely. Um, Phone number is 617-383-4652. Email is 2A at law, L-A-W, guida, G-U-I-D-A.com. My, my website is www.lawguida.com. Um, you know, look, I, I have an emergency line. If you're arrested in the middle of the night, give us a call. Hopefully it never happens to you. Um, and I appreciate the time, Toby, and hopefully I can come back on another time. I really like the people's questions. I want to be able to, Absolutely. you know, give people answers to questions that they have, that there's a lot of injustice. Um, and, I, and I think if you clarify it, at least you understand it, even if it's not fair. Yeah. No, I appreciate it, man. You've been a great help. And uh, 
you know, it's always good to talk to you. We'll definitely do it again. Um, and uh, maybe even this summer when I'm filling in for Grace Curley. So thanks so much. <laughs> That'd be great. All thanks. right. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And remember, the show ends here, but you can always tune in at rapidfireradio.us or call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. So keep up the good fight, support your local community, and be an advocate for responsible gun ownership. Together as Americans, we can overcome anything. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. This is Rapid Fire. We'll see you next time.